The Howler is brought to you by White Street Brewing Company. Handcrafted beer made in the heart of downtown Wake Forest. Visit us just up US 1 at 218 South White Street or at whitestreetbrewing.com. Welcome to The Howler. Your weekly look into the state of Wolfpack Athletics. Now let's go to your hosts, Chris Lehman and Drew Blevins. Hi there, everybody, and welcome to another edition of The Howler. I'm Drew Blevins. Chris Lehman is out with an illness, and we are certainly sending our best wishes back to him wherever he may be right now. Normally, Chris is my co-host on The Howler, but he'll sit this one out. As always, we're about to give you the state of Wolfpack Athletics and flying solo today. I am joined by Benjamin Strunk, who is the club sports director at NC State University Recreation. Ben, thanks so much for being with us. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. So let's go ahead and start things off here. It's been a fairly successful year for NC State club sports, but for you yourself, what has been your favorite club sport to to work with and be a part of and see how they've succeeded? Yeah, absolutely. It, I mean, it's a tough question. We have 41 different club sports that do you know, a variety of water sports to field sports to indoor sports. Um, I think for me, you know, I enjoy learning about some of the, the sports that I never played growing up. Um, so one of them in particular is we actually have a new club sport joining us, and that's cricket. Um, they were a club sport with us in the past, and now are coming back after a couple-year break. And it's something that you know I never played growing up. It's a new sport in, in my mind. Um, I don't have much experience with it, but it's cool to see the passion for those students at NC State that enjoy that sport and, and play at a high level. And when you talk about sports like cricket, or something like Gaelic football. I mean, you see this diversification where it's not just a single type of person who's being able to play a club sport. Can you talk about the diversity you're starting to see in participation in club athletics? Sure. So we have, I mean, we have a lot of international students on our campus here at NC State. We have students from all over the country, all over the world, um, that all have a lot of different experiences. Um, Cricket's definitely one of those sports that lends itself towards our international student base. Um, We have a lot of graduate students here at NC State that participate in cricket. Um, So it's, I mean, you're absolutely right. It's cool to see that we have basketball and we have some of those traditional American sports and those are still thriving, but then we have some of those other sports like, you know, like the crickets. We don't quite have Gaelic football yet, but maybe, maybe someday, but we have rugby um, that's very popular overseas in Europe and in Australia and other parts of the world. Um, So it's definitely, it's cool to see that for me, it's cool to see when some of the American students that maybe didn't grow up and play in those sports then cross over and, and try to learn some of the sports that our international students are bringing to us. And you did talk about basketball, which has really been one of NC State club sports' bread and butter events because the NIRSA has brought their national tournament up to Raleigh for quite some time. This year it transfers to Columbus, Ohio and Ohio mm-hmm. State University. But I do want to park on this subject for a while because this was real, really a gem in NC State's crown when you look at what club sports mean to different universities. Can you talk about what it's like to have hosted such a major national event and essentially what's a national championship for somebody who's outside the NCAA Division One ranks? Sure. So it's definitely been an honor. So we've hosted it here the last eight years or so. And, you know, as you mentioned, it's not going to Ohio State. So it's a little bittersweet. Um, It's cool to me seeing all the students and all the staff and all the officials from different schools across the country that, you know, can really gather in one place and compete for a championship. 
And, you know, NURSA is a huge association involving everything within collegiate recreation. Uh, and, and really, the NURSA National Basketball Tournament is looked at one of those signature events that NURSA hosts throughout the year. Um, so you see the athleticism of you know, a lot of players that could be playing in, in varsity athletics, but they're not. They're playing in, in, in club or in intramurals. And it's really it's an outlet for them to, to show off their skills and still be part of the sport. And, you know, for us, hosting at NC State was a pleasure. We're sad to see it go. Um, it takes a lot of time and effort. So when, you know, kind of on the other side, that allows us to focus on some of our offerings for our students here at NC State with that time. Um, but certainly, you know, we're, we're excited to continue to be a part of NURSA and, and that tournament as much as we can. And you talked about the scope of the event. What is it like for you trying to plan what essentially functions as an all-hands-on-deck movement from officials to sponsors to getting everybody out and in their individual positions, scorekeepers, what have you? Sure. So it's it's an undertaking. So it's it involves, we had over 100 staff come from across the country from different schools, um, that including uh, about 60 officials last year that are some of the best officials in their in their intramural sport campuses across the country, um, and then we have 95 teams, so that's over a thousand participants, you know, all within Carmichael Gym for for a weekend. Um, so definitely with the logistics of travel and hotels and sponsors and you know just the timeline of everything and player eligibility, it's it really runs the gamut, and I think it you know it really equals. To me, a lot of what you know, March Madness or some of the big NCAA um, tournaments really feel like it's just it's it's all in one place instead of having the different sites across the country. And while basketball was one of the major sports affected by the renovations at Carmichael Gymnasium, it certainly wasn't the only sport that was affected because the Carmichael facility does go through a little bit of a facelift. Can you talk about what that's done for the improvement of club sports at NC State? Sure, and so far it hasn't it hasn't really affected club sports too much. Um, we have a new couple new um, fitness areas, functional fitness areas in the first floor of Carmichael Gym. Um, we're doing some work on the lockers to renovate some of the space that was there into functional fitness area. So I think really when it comes to the training and conditioning of the athletes, that's probably where we see the biggest improvement in it. You know, as it sits today, um, Carmichael Gym is used by over a million. Um, unique visitors every year. So it's a very, you know, we have over 30,000 kids on this campus, um, faculty and staff and, and household members and so forth, all using that one facility. So we need more space. And, and that space really allows our club sport athletes when they're not on the field or, you know, in the pool or actually practicing, you know, that's only part of what goes into being an athlete. And the other side is the fitness part and the, the strength and conditioning component. So it's more space for those athletes really to, to use. Um, I think in the future, as we you know potentially go through more renovations, we could see some more impacts. Um, but as it sits today, I think it really has been an improvement for them. We're joined by Benjamin Strunk, a university recreation correspondent who deals primarily with club sports. Uh, ben, we have talked mostly about sort of running across a nice horizon, a nice expanse of club sports. But you yourself, what does your position actually entail when it comes to dealing with club sports? Sure. So my role is the interim assistant director of sports programs. So that includes both intramural sports and club sports. Um, so we really serve, we have three professional staff and we split the clubs to be kind of their liaisons and their, um, and their advisors. So every one of our clubs is a registered student organization at NC State with student involvement. And each club has to have an advisor. So we serve in that role. Some of our clubs have other coaches or have other um, faculty members on campus that, that also serve as advisors, but we really are there 
um, to help them with, really support them with anything they need. Um, through our through our program at Club Sports, each club has to do certain things throughout the year to maintain their club status and to to earn um, money that comes through our allocation process that we provide to clubs. So we allocate money every year that the clubs can will do budget presentations for and try to earn as much as they can uh, to get that funding to help support their club. So a lot of it on our end is is really having those communications and those critical conversations to make sure that the leaders of the clubs, the club officers, are, are really directing their club and managing and leading their club in a positive way, um, and then helping them when it comes to event planning. So when they have events or practices at Carmichael Complex or at Method Road, um, we're really critical in helping to make sure that all that runs smoothly. So are there any particular sports that you yourself are responsible for handling, or is it just sort of a smorgasbord of them? Yeah, so right now there's 20, 41 clubs, so I have 20 clubs, um, and our, our coordinator right now has 21. Um, normally we'll have three, we'll split into three ways with our three professional staff, so that will happen next uh, next semester. And it really is, It's I have everything from rowing to sailing to the lacrosses to the soccers, um, Fencing, golf, and everything in between. It really is just a, a just split in half. And you talk about lacrosse, and that is something that Wolfpack Sports has had the pleasure of undertaking coverage for. Very entertaining sport, as we found out over the past couple of years. <clears throat> Pardon me, but dealing with them. They're one of the fastest-growing sports attendance-wise as well, and they're getting much more exposure. They've just recently gone a uniform overhaul, new helmets, new gear to suit up with. What's it like watching an organization essentially go from grassroots, bare minimum, to now being a fairly popular organization on campus? Sure. So, And lacrosse is certainly probably one of the more popular sports that we have that's not a varsity sport. Um, so there's, I think that that just lends itself that that, that makes sense. Um, their their officers have been great this year. John, their president, has has really stepped up. Um, you know, obviously they've been great on the field, but really stepped up their you know, their organization, their leadership off the field. Um, and it's cool to see so many fans that come out and support. You know, NC State club sports and, and not just varsity athletics. And you know, from our side, you know, it, we start to look at ways that we can make that experience better for the fans and for the participants. Um, you know, whether it comes to field space or, you know, different things that we can do to make that experience better. For instance, we're working on scoreboards right now for Method that will just help, you know, to, to make that fan experience a, a little bit stronger. Well, I can tell you from a play-by-play broadcaster's perspective, the scoreboard would be tremendous yeah. so that we could have a little bit easier time keeping track of the time and certainly wishing you the best of luck in that endeavor. And we're we're looking forward to those advancements as well. Another sport that seems to be growing exponentially it seems is club hockey which has always been sort of one of the staples here at nc state of course the south has never been known for their ncaa division one hockey programs primarily because there's only one of them and what seems like thousands of universities down here but this is a program that's not only growing attendance wise but success wise as well now back to back to back to back league championships for them they still don't have the big admirals cup to bring it home but what has it been like for you working in club sports and seeing hockey take on one of those flagship roles as a major sport yeah, I mean, they've been awesome. I think, you know, if any of our club sports really functions in a similar way to a varsity athletics team, it's probably club hockey. Um, you know, even having the coaches show, I know that you do, and and so forth, and, and Wolfpack Sports being a big part of that. And they, you know, talking to them, they're they're almost a capacity, it seems like, on, on fans some nights. So they're looking for any and every way to 
you know, to get more people in there. Um, I know they just they just created or they're just finalizing their new locker room, um, which I don't think any club hockey team, at least in the South, maybe you know, there's very few in the country that have their own locker room. And it seems like a simple thing. Like seems like, oh yeah, well of course they have a locker room. Well, most of our club sports don't. You know, our club sports rent the arenas, the fields that they play at. Um, they don't have, you know. N- they don't have necessarily the same funding that a lot of the varsity athletic teams do. So it's cool to see them being able to really use the funding that they take in from their fans and from all of their sponsorships and, and really invest that into things that are going to make their club better. And when you look even on the opposite side of the spectrum, perhaps a, a sport that's not getting as much exposure from the media or from the attendance standpoint, there are still successful club sports. Uh, talk about the sailing team especially because it seems to be that water sports are continually growing here at NC State. It's a nice way to build some camaraderie and stay cool. But uh, once again, they're enjoying some success as well. Yeah, sailing's one of our – it's one of my favorite clubs. You know, They go to regattas all over the place, and it's it's incredible for me to see that club in particular with all the equipment that they have. And you look at how, you know, sailing boats are very expensive and, you know, having to trailer them and, you know, take them hundreds and thousands of miles to different regattas is really something, it's really something cool to me. Um, And they definitely have gone through a lot of success. They're one of the best, one of the best leadership clubs with their executive council um, and their officer group is is one of the best that we have. Um, And they have a coach that's very involved with their team. Um, and they really are set up for success, but they, you know, sailing in some of our, especially some of our water sports and then even sports like golf, they're very expensive. It's a very expensive sport to sail. Um, so they really have to utilize every dollar that they take in, you know, every minute of their practice time to the fullest because they're putting a lot and investing a lot of their own time, money uh, into into their sport, and they do it because they love it. And can you talk about some of the monetary figures that are exchanging hands in the club sports? Obviously, you've got something like basketball where all you need is a nice pair of shoes and a ball, it seems like, and then, of course, renting the space. But you do have something like golf where you have to equip yourselves with all the clubs or hockey where you've got to have head-to-toe protection. What's that been like looking at some of the ways that the budgeting is working for individual club sports? Sure. So every, no matter what club they're in, every club sport member is required to pay some kind of dues. So those dues go to the club, and they're all student-run organizations, so they decide where their money goes. They decide what to do with those dues, how much the dues are. Um, Depending on the club, those dues can range from $10 a semester for some of our clubs to hundreds and, you know, even close to $1,000 per semester per year. Um, Like some of our equestrian sports are very expensive, um, you know, ice hockey is very expensive with all the equipment. So, you know, you're right. There's some sports that have a lot of specialized equipment and they're going to spend hundreds and hundreds of dollars. There's some that just don't have that like basketball. Um, so, and part of that goes into our allocation process. So each of our clubs gets a certain amount of money from club sports every year. And that's generally based on need. I mean, there's never enough money to go around. Um, so we have to make a lot of tough decisions, but certainly, you know, club athletes, depending on what sport they're, they're into, um, we try to fund as much as possible, but they definitely are investing, you know, a lot of their money into into their sport. And again, it's because they love it. So that's it's cool to see that that the money is not necessarily a a barrier to a lot of our students' success. We're joined by Ben Strunk of NC State University Recreation here to talk a little bit about what's going on in club sports. And you talked about the money a little bit, but just one of my personal curiosities is most all of these 
teams have head coaches. Are they getting paid? Or are they on a volunteer basis? I mean, certainly I wouldn't imagine it's a living wage necessarily, but what, what is it like for those coaches? Sure. So it depends on the club. Some of our, of our clubs have volunteer coaches and some of our clubs choose to pay the coach. Um, none of the coaches' pay comes out of university funds. That is all through funds that the club has fundraised um, either through their dues or through different sponsorships or, or outside fundraisers. Um, for some of our coaches, they, you know, it could be a couple hundred bucks. It could be, you know, but it's definitely not anything that the money's not the reason that they're there. They're there because they love the sport, they want to help, and they want to be involved. But you know, in some cases, the money may help with their travel expenses um, when going to tournaments or to events. Um, but I, I don't think we have any cases where, where the coach really is, is making out. <laughs> and if we step out and look at club sports from a much broader lens, if you're talking to a regular everyday college student might have been a high school athlete certainly is athletic enough to be able to do something what is your cry to them to encourage them to get involved with club sports at nc state yeah i mean i'm amazed every day just how much variety we have and you know whether it's a sport that you played in high school whether it's you know you're just looking for a group of people to to be active with i think you know there's there's a club sport for you and i think there's this you know, generally we think of club sports as being more competitive than intramurals. That's not always the case. A lot of our clubs have a recreational side and a competitive side. Um, and a lot of our clubs are looking for members. So, you know, I think when, when students come to campus, especially our freshmen or transfer students, they're looking for that group to belong with. And they're looking for friends, they're looking for that community. And I think our clubs do a good job of providing and creating that sense of community for students that enjoy playing that sport. Um, you know, a lot of our clubs are fairly serious. They practice a lot. They practice to compete, um, but that's not always the case. And I think, you know, it's definitely worth checking out to see if, if, if it's a fit for you. And when you talk about club sports and, and the competitive side, is this, in your estimation, a good way to get, you know, that adrenaline rush for somebody who is personally competitive? Because, there are trophies to be won out in the club sports realm, and while it's not necessarily all about that so much as it is getting out and having fun and being active, there's a very competitive side to this as well. Can you talk about a, uh, that drive a little bit? Sure. I mean, I think you know every athlete that played, you know, kind of go back to every athlete that played in high school or has that competitive drive, like you're talking about. They sure they need that outlet, and you know we have intramural sports that takes can take some of that, but club really is that next level. Um, I think you know. For instance, I grew up playing travel baseball and, and doing all that when I was a kid and played in high school. Um, and, and competition is a big part of my life. Um, I never got into clubs, but I definitely, as I you know, work in club sports you know, on a daily basis, I think that you know, if I would go back and do college again, that would have been an awesome outlet for me. It would, it would have been playing a club sport. Um, so I think it, it certainly provides you know, that, that stress relief. It provides that you know, that athletic, you know, out that you're looking for. And finally, you talk about being a baseball fan. Who's going to win the World Series this year? Uh, well, my Yankees aren't doing too well. Um, I, I'm not too high in hopes there. I don't know. The Trevor Story kid from, the, from Colorado has got a bunch of home runs, so maybe the Rockies will be in it. I don't know. I, my normal co-host, Chris Lehman, seems to be on the Pirates bandwagon as well. <laughs> I mean, not necessarily bandwagon. He's up from Pittsburgh way, so... 
But uh, it's nice to meet another Yankees fan yeah. on campus, that's for go. sure. And we're, we're hoping for the best. The quest for 28 has begun. <laughs> ben, thanks so much for taking the time to be here with us. Absolutely. Thank you. You've just heard from Benjamin Strunk. I'll be around on the other side to give you more about the state of Wolfpack Athletics. We've got a spring football game to talk about. And, of course, the Diamond Sports are well into the heat of competition of their ACC season. A couple of series to talk about there. Again, thanks to Ben Strunk of University Recreation for joining us. We'll be right back. You're listening to The Howler. The Howler is brought to you by White Street Brewing Company. Handcrafted beer made in the heart of downtown Wake Forest. Visit us just up US 1 at 218 South White Street or at whitestreetbrewing.com. Welcome back to The Howler. Drew Blevins joined by Nick Sinopoli this time. Nick is a freshman here working for Wolfpack Sports Television, getting his feet wet in the podcast business this time. Again, Chris Lehman is not alongside me. He expects to be back soon as he is suffering from an illness, and uh, we certainly do wish Chris the best. But, Nick, I'm glad you are able to fill in for him today. Yeah, me too. I'm a little excited, a little unfortunate that Chris is under the weather, but uh, I'll see if I can fill in his position with honor and to him. <laughs> well, let's certainly hope so. We just heard from Ben Strunk, who is a university recreation representative who deals specifically with club sports. And Nick, that's sort of been our bread and butter as a broadcast opportunity. Club sports have played a major role in what we do here at Wolfpack Sports Television. Overall, what are your sort of thoughts about what the club sports are here at NC State? Well, the club sports have, an, have a great reputation, especially with the club hockey that uh, you and I are so very familiar with. The NC State hockey team has done incredible incredible over the past four years with four straight ACC HL regular season titles. Uh, we have, uh, that's one of our main bread and butter uh, organizations, I guess you could call it. But our club basketball is a thing we love to cover. Really enjoy doing that. Same thing with lacrosse and uh, women's soccer as well. And stepping outside of the realm of club sports, though, we do have a lot to talk about here. It's been kind of a busy week for NC State Athletics, and we're going to lead things off with a little bit of play out on the gridiron as NC State had their spring football game this past Saturday. The red team decimated the white team by a final count of 47 to nothing, uh, partially because it essentially functioned as A team versus B team, first string versus second string, whichever you prefer in your own uh, everyday conversations. But to me, there were some bright spots in that football game. There were also some things that I would have personally liked to have seen improve. But overall, what were your thoughts about the spring game and some of the players that you saw stand out? Well, I really liked to see redshirt freshman Johnny Frazier, the running back from Florida. I love to see him play. I know we didn't get to see him play due to his redshirt, but he had a 31-yard touchdown run. Uh, broke five tackles on that play. I'd uh, love to see what we have from him. That backfield is going to be stacked next year with Matt Days, Reggie Gillespie, and Frazier. Looking forward to seeing that. Also, I really like to see Jacoby Myers out there. Uh, J.R. McClendon did play well, but we got to see Myers running around a little bit. He looks good. It'll be an interesting quarterback battle coming this fall. Yeah, and I would venture to say that Jalen McClendon is probably going to be the starter. He looked good with a couple of his throws, hit a couple of receivers, but that was actually one of the things I noticed is that the receivers weren't utilized nearly as much as I thought they would have been, and when they were, it wasn't exactly the names that you thought you'd be seeing. Jonathan Olsen didn't see very many touches. Braylon Cherry didn't see too many touches either. So, you would like to see, especially with Eli Drinkwitz at the helm for the offense, perhaps the ball being aired out a little bit more. I agree with you, though. Johnny Frazier, to me, is the storyline of the spring football game, and most notably is 
I was sitting in the end zone, and all of a sudden, here he comes barreling from about 31 yards out, was hit five times on an individual run, and drags a tackler into the end zone for six. He's a really special player. But to kick off this conversation, excuse the football pun, I, I would like to talk about the defense a little bit, where you've got guys like Darian Roseboro and Contavious Street who saw playing time in limited quantities last year, made impacts, but not big enough to necessarily be household names. You've got a defensive line and a front seven overall this year that really could land some haymakers when it comes to playing in the ACC. Is this going to be a defense that you're confident uh, moving forward with if you're Dave Doran, or are there still some tweaks you think need to be made? I definitely think there are some tweaks still to be made, and the 47-0 and uh, result is not something that NC State fans should be worried about. That was a first-team versus second-team uh, matchup. And to go on that, to go off of that point, I was a little intrigued as to why it was a first team and second team. I would have liked to have seen the second team go against the second team and the first against the first. That uh, that kind of confused me a little bit, but I guess that's how Doran likes to run things. So I, I really like what I'm seeing from the defensive line. They got to Jacoby Myers a lot during the spring game. I uh, got to see his legs, but that might be a little either the defensive line doing an an, an astounding job uh this past Saturday or it's the offensive line it's really tough to say right now um I think the offense is doing well but the defense I haven't seen much of them yet from the spring game but it'll be very interesting to go throughout the season because it seems that the hiring of the boys uh Boise State head coach uh shows that state really wants to air it out more they want some more offensive firepower and if you ask me I think they do need to improve a little bit on the defensive side of the football but I really like what I'm seeing with the offensive side. It's just tough to say. Well, and when I look at the defense and what they did in this football game, the white defense, i.e. second string, allows an astounding number of 444 total offensive yards. Uh, compared to the first team who playing against the second team, compared with negative two yards total, and again, I think those are some skewed statistics, especially considering that you've got guys playing on that white team who aren't even going to sniff a blade of grass inside the chalk lines at Carter-Finley Stadium come fall. I, I actually am going to be a little bit more confident in the defensive side of the football. I think that you are going to look at guys like Jack Tocho and Mike Stevens to step up. It's going to be very important for NC State to be able to force turnovers. If you can get the ball back into what looks to be a decent offense's hands, especially when you consider what they're going to be able to do on the ground with the plethora of options they have there, I think that you do have something promising going. But this is one of the major things that I harped on at the inception of this podcast back in football season. The turnover ratio isn't quite there for NC State. Even though they had, in my estimation, a really good first half of defense against Florida State, you turn the ball back over to your offense, they're not able to do anything. You've got to be able to create turnovers consistently. Are we talking five a game? No. Two or three, I think, is a reasonable expectation, though, because you are looking at a momentum shift, a change in field position for a young quarterback who has not started anywhere close to ACC play and has only seen action against cupcake opponents, and you're going to thrust him into the fire, any help that you can get him is going to aid the team at large. And I think that does start on the defensive side of the football. Yeah, for sure. I think McClendon does need some help, being that he will be the starter for NC State this year, most likely. We saw limited action for him last year when they played against Syracuse. I remember one of the 
uh, infamous plays of that game was he just fumbled a snap and Syracuse takes it to the house. Uh, I definitely think McClendon needs some help on the defensive side of the ball due to the fact that he's going to be technically thrown into the fire because Jacoby Brissett was the starter last year. I think Jared McClendon will have a a tough go around the first couple games, but yes, I do think they need to win the turnover battle. Uh, Going towards the going towards NFL, the Carolina Panthers led the league in turnover ratio during the 2015 season, uh, attributing to the fact that they were 15 and one. So it bodes well that if you do win the turn, turnover battle, that your season will more than likely be successful. Almost oh, certainly. And uh, let's go ahead and talk about this offense when you are putting the ball back in the hands of most likely Jalen McClendon. Uh, let's look at what this red team offense did. Guess who the leading receiver was? This was sort of the the shocker for me. Leading receiver by catches. Well, it wasn't. You said it wasn't Austin. He didn't have a great game. So, mm, I don't know. Stephen Lewis. Uh, no. <laughs> uh, he was he was actually the uh, receiving leader by yards. Oh, Maurice okay. Trowell actually had the Maurice most catches Trowell. with six. Stephen Lewis not far behind with five. Braylon Cherry uh, with three. Those are sort of the names that you're going to look to be seeing. Uh, I like to see Brian Sessoms get involved as well. He had a pair of catches. Naheem Hines coming out of the slot had one. I mean, there was good utilization. Looking at Jalen McClendon, though, what I was most impressed by was the completion percentage. He goes 13 for 18 in the passes that he threw. No interceptions. Only 120 yards. So he's taken the dip and dunk passes, but he also had a long of 34 to Stephen Lewis. At, uh, excuse me, to uh, Braylon Cherry. That is the type of production that NC State fans are used to seeing, and I think there was a lot of pause given when Jacoby Brissett graduates after the Belk Bowl, and you've got to turn it over to Jalen McClendon, but I think he's going to prove to be a little bit more of a game manager than anybody gave him credit for, especially if he's able to keep those sort of numbers up. It doesn't look like he's going to be solely responsible for losing you any football games, but then again, he might not win you any games outright with his play alone. Nonetheless, I do like this young quarterback, and I think he could be a major asset here for the Wolfpack. I do think McClendon is more of a game manager. You said it right. I think that with the weapons he has, Naheem Hines, uh, Trowell, and Lewis, I think he has some help there for sure. I would like to see Naheem Hines uh, in the mix where he's more of a specialist, you know, the return specialist we saw last year. I think that if you put him in the mix of things, you will see more of that uh, dip and dunk offense since he's uh, 5'9", 197. He's a small guy, but he's a speedy guy for sure. Uh, you have some a lot of screens to him, you know, a couple long passes to Lewis. I think that Jalen McClendon will be more of a game manager. I'd like to see him air it out a lot more uh, because that's just not what uh, the NC State fans are used to seeing. I think... He will be more of a game manager due to the powerhouse backfield we will have next year with Days Gillespie and Frazier. Frazier's the more uh, bruising back, uh, Gillespie more agile, and Days more of a combination of the two. Uh, Jalen McClendon will definitely be a game manager next year, but I do think that he won't be losing you games. I think the defense will definitely have to help him. I think the defense will have to help, but the other thing that I think sort of got swept under the rug, especially after the shellacking state took in the Belk Bowl, was what happened on special teams this year. And you brought in Kyle Bambard, who has been quoted as, quote, having success in high school. You look at his senior year, he's only 11 for 17. That's not tremendous, kicking in White Falls, Michigan. So instead, you bring in a new guy, Connor Haskins, who saw a lot of action 
in the spring football game. And in my estimation, looked good. He's got good ball striking ability. He seems to be working well with his battery mates, making his field goals. Was called on for all but one extra point in the spring game. I like the way he was kicking. Dave Doran said he brought the kid in to give Van Bard competition. How do you read that statement? Because from what I'm looking at and from what the track record for Kyle Bambard was compared to what it is for Connor Haskins, I think you're looking at putting a new starting kicker into the mix this year. Oh, for sure. I think you're right. I think Bambard, credit to him, he was a freshman last year. There was a lot of pressure on that coming in college kicking. I think he underwhelmed to say the least, for sure. Uh, we can see that from a fan perspective, the amount of point-after attempts he missed and feel, he, he, not maybe, well, chip shots he missed last year. I definitely think there will be a new kicker this year. I think Bambard will have to work for it, to say the least. Well, and this is what NC State fans are used to seeing when it comes to kicking. A couple years ago, my freshman year, it was Nicholas Sadie who was really good. Oh, yes. Nicholas Sadie, the all-time leading scorer in points at NC State. Behind him is Steven Hauschka, who is now a starting kicker for the Seattle Seahawks. Seattle Seahawks. And his the- middle name is Clutch, because he <laughs> has been that good at times. Really? I'll have to check that. Well, and then behind him you had a little-known guy named Josh Joukowsky, who did not go on to a great career in the NFL, but nonetheless was a solid collegiate kicker. NC State fans like to see their kickers make field goals. And that's your well-duh statement of the day, Drew, but it's true. It's not like you've had to deal with the issues that guys like Syracuse or Pittsburgh have had to deal with with poor kickers. It's not a Florida State situation where you're perennially putting guys in the NFL draft in the place kicking position, but this has been a good school for kickers. And I think it's going to be Connor Haskins' responsibility to reinstall that confidence because let's keep in mind, there was a point this year that Kyle Bambard was below 50% on field goals, and that was when his long was only 42. Now, Yes, Bambard has struggled in his freshman campaign, but you have to hand it to him. As a freshman, he connected on four of his last five field goal attempts uh, going to the end of the year after making just three of his first nine. So at one point, he was 33% from the field. So it's it, I've got, I'm interested in what Hassan's got to pull together because as a team, you like to see your kicking and punting and returning just set in stone, nothing to worry about. You don't want to see your special teams giving up kickoff returns for touchdowns every game, punt, re, punt returns for touchdowns, or blocked field goals for that matter. It's, it's nice to see when your kicking and punting is just set in stone and there's no battles there because if you if a kicker is set off of his if he's off of his game then it really just translates to the entire team the the entire team's mood Kyle Bambard has struggled but I just don't know what we're going to see next year when you have a guy like Hauschka who's in the NFL one of the better kickers in the NFL and you, over the years, you the kicking has declined for NC State. You've got to worry if there, are, there are a coaching change might happen. I, I will put Stephen Hauschka's performance into this little example for you. I'm a Falcons fan. You know this. Oh, God. Yes, we know this. Yes, we know this. Matt Bryant. Dirty freaking birds are terrible. <laughs> Matt, Sorry. They beat your team this year. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but who's 15? Matt Bryant, year? good kicker. Matt Bryant, really yes, good yes. bald-headed kicker. I might even I, go. I might even go to say that you know possible you know uh, Pro Football Hall of Fame. He's, he's he's incredible. On on my fantasy team, I passed over him in the draft to go for Stephen House. Why would you draft a kick? What, what? Let me answer this question. What what round did you draft him in? Late, late, latter two Please, rounds. 
Okay, good lord. Because you seem like a guy that, like, take, you know, Sebastian Janikowski, who's got a rock of a leg in the My name is Drew Blevins, not Al Davis. I'm not going to pick a kicker in the first or second round. Okay, Janikowski's a beast, though. You got to give him that. No, I I do. But, but, you know, let's, let's go ahead and try to, try to keep on topic as best we possibly can. We, we all know that's a sheer impossibility in, in some regards. But overall, way too early prediction. But you look at NC State's football schedule, and after what you saw in the spring game, what is your impression? What is NC State going to finish record rise with? I'm going to go with the same this uh, past year, 7-5. and five. Really? Really. Who, who are the losses to? Let me check the schedule here. Sorry about this. You know, I, I understand the yeah. fact that you're, yeah, sorry, that you're a sub little... here for Chris. Yeah, but... that's right. Well, I'm going to... Preparations key, Sinopoly preparations yeah, sorry about key. That. I'm going to give us the win at William, William & Mary, of course. Let's see. Let me check out these. I'm going to give us a loss against Chapel Hill, UNC, the Tar Heels. A loss against Florida State. Now that I see the schedule, I'm going to say six losses for sure. <laughs> I'm going to give us a loss at Notre Dame, Clemson, Louisville, Florida State, Miami, and UNC. Interesting. I, I'm actually going to go with seven and five. Okay. Way too early. Who, okay. So do you, who do you have us beating out of the? Do you have us beating out Louisville? of those? I actually think Notre Dame's a possible upset. Game. Really? I do. And let me explain. I would why. love to see that let, as a fan I, here at Raleigh. But okay, NC State has never lost to Notre Dame. They've only played them once. But they've never lost to Notre Dame. <sighs> it is the fiftieth like anniversary of Carter Finley Stadium. Deshaun Kaiser will be coming back for Brian Kelly, but hmm. overall. If you study the way North Carolina played Notre Dame, played them close. They struggled with Virginia as well, and they had to pull that out in the final minute. Mm -hmm. There are weak spots in Notre Dame's lineup. And I think that NC State, if they can play what amounts to a fairly flawless game, I think they pull it off. And I think you get that extra advantage when you're celebrating your stadium and the legacy of NC State football, and you wrap it up all together, and you're playing the most storied franchise in all of collegiate football history. I think it's a great storyline. And I think Dave Doran also understands that he is badly in need of a marquee victory. And Notre Dame is probably going to be ranked when they walked into Carter-Finley Stadium. And I think if you can get that, fans are going to be happy with you. Fans need to see this marquee win. And be it Notre Dame, or be it Florida State, or even be it Chapel Hill again, I, I think it's got to happen this year for Dave. I, I do think Dave Doran needs a good win, but I just I honestly don't see it happening this year against Notre Dame. If they do pull out the win, it's going to have to be uh, McClendon coming out of his game manager role and producing some points on the scoreboard. I think the defense for Notre Dame is always tough annually. I think that Notre Dame's offense will be lacking this year with Will Fuller going into the draft. He's an incredible prospect. I think it's going to be tough. Honestly, I could see them dropping it against ECU due to the rivalry there. That is a scary game. That is a scary game, especially for Doran. I think if you go 6-6, and but you beat ECU and you give Notre Dame a heck of a game at the 50th anniversary of Carter Finley and play well against Florida State, then it he it's not like he's going to get fired. But I think if he drops that ECU game, that that's a tough one to swallow if you're NC State, and especially if you're and Dave Doran. I think you also put yourself in a position where you have to win one of those major opponents, especially at home. And it definitely comes early in the season. It's not at Carter Finley. It's in Greenville, and it's... 
scheduled as one of those warm-up games before you go into conference play. You've got William & Mary, ECU, Old Dominion, and then Wake Forest, and then going into the Notre Dame game. That's that's a tough one. You could ECU could definitely catch NC State sleeping. That that is one of the def- that uh, that will be an early test to see how McClendon does and how how the season will turn. Well, let's step off the gridiron and move on to the diamond, where we're going to talk a little bit about the baseball team. Now, this has been a team that has not necessarily lived up to what we expected uh, in the preseason. Preseason top ten and has since sort of fallen down between the number ten and twenty spot. It looks like they're pulling things together now, though. And let's go ahead and start with the conversation of a game that happened last week, and that was the game against Charlotte, where Corey Wilder, your weekday starter, or at least who's taking the mound during the weekday in this particular instance, comes on, pitches well, goes six innings, and that was a very nice start for him. That's close to his career long. Not to mention NC State's offense gets the bats going early, a run in the first inning, a pair of them in the second, another run in the third, and they quite literally ran away with this baseball game by a final count of 7-3, to three, had a little bit of difficulty giving up runs in the 7th and 8th inning once they put relievers on the hill. But overall, a good performance there against Charlotte. Are you happy with it? I am happy with it. They did have a little trouble closing this one out uh, to say in the 7th and 8th inning, you said. I am happy with with that outcome. I think State is... Almost peaking at the right time, I would say. You want to peak a little later in the season. They're just coming off of that series win against Virginia. Long time since that ha- that's happened. Uh, Virginia is a uh, great team and uh, every year. Uh, I'm pleased with the Charlotte game. I th- I don't really have much to say about it. I don't think that it necessarily was bad. I think that it was almost a trap game coming off of a a big confidence boost going up to Charlottesville and defeating the Cavaliers coming down and putting away Charlotte really shows that this NC State team could be for real. Well, NC State does come off of that victory, and then they head back into ACC play against the Wake Forest Demon Deacons. And this one was, I'm going to use a football analogy here, really a story of two halves. Wake Forest jumped all over Ooh, the Wolfpack yes. in the first five innings. They were up 5 nothing at one point. You had to take out your starting pitcher and throw somebody else into the fire. And I'm going to see if I can pull up the correct pitcher on this one. If you'll give me a second, I will. Um, it was Isn't odd- preparation everything? Yeah, preparation I'm is sorry, everything. I'm Thank just you. Thank with you. you. No, no, you're not. You're, you're absolutely correct. Um, Pitching for NC State was Johnny Piedmont. I was I was about to say mm-hmm. Joe O'Donnell, and I knew that was wrong. Johnny Piedmont starts. Uh, yeah, I'll get that out eventually. Johnny Piedmont starts things off, normally a fairly sure-handed pitcher, and just doesn't get the job done. At the end of the second inning, NC State's already down four to nothing. All of those runs are earned. That's a really tough one to swallow. And then you go down five nothing once you get relievers out on the bump, and then you're really putting it back in your hands of your offense saying, let's hope for a miracle with less than half of a baseball game to go. Talk about the first half of that baseball game and a little bit of panic perhaps inside the Wolfpack, just not hitting the ball well. Uh, Give it to Parker Dunshee, who did pitch well for the Demon Deacons, but, you know, that's a tough start for NC State, especially after having one, two of the last three, three out of the last four. Yeah, you don't really see that often from the Wolfpack. They like to start early and stay ahead. Interesting things I'm seeing from them. They 
it was an interesting game. Definitely a game of two halves, as you would say in football terms. Not something you usually see from the pack, but they were able to close it out. Put in the hands of their explosive offense. Not something you usually see for them. But going forward, they did play Wake Forest again close the, this past Saturday by a score of 3-2. to two. And playing them tonight, this it could be another scary situation for them. But I think they will be able to pull off the sweep. NC State does take on the Demon Deacons of Wake Forest tonight at 7 p.m. at Vidoke. Of course, by the time this podcast will come out, that'll be old news. You can check out the result on GoPack.com. But what I want to talk about is NC State, while they do get a victory in this ball game, 11-7, not many of those runs are earned at all. And it's a Joe Denand grand slam that really puts NC State over the top in an 11-7 victory. But between the fifth and sixth innings, 10 runs are scored by NC State. Three of them are earned. Wake Forest commits five errors in the field. While it's a victory statistically for NC State, is it really that impressive when you put that spin on it? Because in my mind, it's nothing more than you're very, very fortunate to escape a team that you should have blown out of the water. Oh yeah, definitely a trap game again. I guess you could say that they, they definitely escaped this one Eight unearned runs, that's unheard of. You definitely have to think that the Demon Deacons got chewed out after that one. They should have had that one in the bag. If you want to go by unearned runs, they should have won this game 7-3. to three. And NC State has to be incredibly lucky to get out of this one. Wake Forest is a good baseball team. Uh, you said that, excuse me, Parker Dunchy had an incredible outing at pitching. He just couldn't. Wasn't able to get it done. Didn't get it, did not get the help from his fielders. I'm worried about the game tonight a little bit, Drew. Well, and <laughs> it wasn't so much that game because the bats did come to life there at the end. Right. And, of course, NC State does not get put in the situation where they're able to keep batters going and putting the ball in play without the errors. So there is some silver lining there. It was the Saturday game that you turn it around, and now NC State has a really bad-looking effort through a majority of that baseball game and they magically pull out a win in extras. But Wake Forest, again, got out to a lead 2-0 going into the back end of the 7th, where NC State has to score in the 7th and the 8th to keep the game going. But there was some clutch hitting in that ball game for NC State as well, not to mention Brian Brown turns in a 6-inning starting pitching performance. That's more like what NC State needs to see off the hill. Oh, yeah, for sure. A lot less errors by the Wolfpack would help as well. Four <coughs> errors in that four errors in that outing, the, outing this past Saturday. Uh, good pitching, but State should have won this by a heck of a lot more. If you if you ask me, they they did they played better by a small margin. I think this is a hangover from the UVA series. Uncharacteristic of the Wolfpack, I think that they can come back at, during this game. I think this will be the not not the defining moment, excuse me, The where the Wolfpack finally get back to where they were before UVA. Earlier, uh, when the the 11-7 win was just a terrible game by the Wolfpack, a uh, little less terrible this past Saturday, and I think that they get it together tonight. Well, that's an interesting prediction. I, I would like to see them go ahead and complete the sweep, and I know I'm supposed to be a nonpartisan reporter of sports news, but I think it's big for NC State in this regard to go ahead and try to finish off the Demon Deacons and get an ACC sweep under their belt, especially when you're considering what they're looking at down the pipe with a couple of ACC series coming up, especially on the road that could be critical. You've got Clemson, you've got Louisville as well, and you've, you're going to finish the season with North Carolina, a team that 
somehow just hangs around year in and year out, just a great baseball program that Mike Fox has going on over in Chapel Hill. I think that's a good spot to end our baseball conversation, and and I do think that it's sort of fitting because NC State is getting there, and they're they're getting back to par, but there are still some questions left to be answered, and I think that's very similar to how we're going to sort of end this discussion because they're they're there. They're in the rankings, they're in the polls, they're putting themselves in good position, but they got to keep going. You cannot just leave things off here, right? Yes, you've got to keep going, as you say. It really, it, it does matter what your record is during the season, but no matter how good you are in the regular season, it doesn't mean anything if you can't capitalize it in the postseason. If they can't make it to the College World Series, this is going to seem, not as a lost season, but kind of a disappointment because there are high hopes coming into this season for the Wolfpack. Well, and NC State is continuing to hang around the top of the ACC statistics in baseball. It'll be interesting to see what they do. Our final topic of discussion is going to be the softball team who continues to take a tumble statistically down the ladder in the ACC. And, you know, it, it's kind of tough to complain about it when you got to take on the number 9, the number 8 team in the country to some polls, and that's the Florida State Seminoles. And not only that, you got to take them on in Tallahassee. And that is never an easy thing to do. The Wolfpack are swept by the Seminoles in short order on Friday. A 10-2 loss on Saturday. A 5-4 loss in a close game. And on Sunday, a 12-4 loss. Oddly enough, NC State does avoid the mercy rule even though they lose by a deficit larger than 8. But, you know, I think there are some positives to take out of the weekend. But in general, you see another ACC sweep here, Nick. What are your opinions on the softball team? Well, I mean, I liked what I saw earlier in the season. Tyler Ross is having a great season. Hannah Yeager. Um, I just, I don't like what I'm seeing from the pitching so far. Courtney Miller-Bella has had an all right season. She's a, uh, after the, excuse me, after the 11, after the last game, she is 11 and 13 starting. I, the pitching has been a little lackluster this season. I saw a couple of weekends ago against when they lost against Bryant to their first game. Uh, I'm excuse me, Bryant won their first game against the Wolfpack. So that's something you definitely don't want to see. It's it's just been the wheels are almost falling off. I hate to see this, but I had I had to say I almost predicted it. Well. I don't know how much of it is NC State's fault. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I mean, think you're you are, you, you're missing Emily Wyman. You're missing Renata Davis. Yes. But I think what's most frustrating this time around is there that that Saturday game where your pitching gave you a shot to win that ball game. Florida State got off to a quick, oh, quick yes. start at four to nothing, and then the pitching was locked down the rest of the way through. All you needed to do is get out of the bottom of the seventh. And they just couldn't quite do it. Usually it's usually it's been the exact opposite. But in this game, the, well, there, there's some real inconsistency in the Wolfpack where sometimes it's the pitching that has just been lights out. This game, it wasn't bad. I mean, I know Cor- Courtney Mirabella was credited the loss, but there have been games where the offense has been doing The bats just aren't doing anything. Nothing's coming off of them. They don't get a run till the, till the fifth inning. It's... It's interesting to see the polar opposites. Well, and what's interesting as well, staying on that Saturday game, is there's not a whole lot of production out of the entirety of the lineup where you're looking, the only person getting a hit in the lower half of the batting order is Alyssa Compton. One. 
But other than that, Tyler Ross with a pair of hits, Molly Hutchison won, Meredith Burroughs won, Maggie Hawkins won. That's tough when you're only getting hitting out of the first portion of your lineup. You needed a little bit more diversity in the way that you're scoring your runs. I, I do think that this is just sort of a wheels fall off the wagon season for NC State, and, and that's a really tough one to swallow because when you look up and down their roster, it looks like they're pretty good, but something's just not clicking right now, and I think Sean Rychik is going to need to reassess things, especially uh, when it comes to the pitching circle and seeing what Courtney Mirabella and Brittany Nimmo are going to work in tandem to do. Yeah, and you're right. That it doesn't look like they're having a bad season. Molly Hudson batting 358, Ross 352, Hawkins 315, and Macaulay Prickett batting 304. I think that Meredith Burroughs is going to be definitely in the pitching lineup some more. I think that you can work her in more as the season progresses due to this. I, I think this is almost a lost season for the Wolfpack. I think if you put her in the mix, Brittany Nimmo, and Harley Hubbard a little bit, the sophomore, that... Maybe this is almost, you can't really say a rebuilding season. This is not Major League Sports, but in a sense it is. You're just trying to work everyone out and plan for plan for the future. NC State has two non-conference games left against Campbell and Greensboro. Those are separated by a week. Four ACC series to go. Big ones against Syracuse and Boston College, Georgia Tech, and Notre Dame to round things out. Uh, the Syracuse and Notre Dame series are going to be on the road you almost got to imagine, too, Nick, that if NC State wants to be in the conversation for the postseason and the ACC tournament, they're going to have to look at almost winning out at conference. Oh, yes, for sure. I think that they have to win one against Notre Dame. I think that will definitely bolster their reputation going into postseason play. I think they need to... Let, let me look at the schedule. They need to beat Syracuse. They need they could they could trade they, one with Syracuse. You, no, I think you almost got to sweep Syracuse and sweep Boston College. What about Georgia Tech? Spread. Georgia Tech is a tough one. Yeah, I, for sure. I, that that's a home series. You'd like to see a sweep there. Realistically, looking up and down in those three series, I think you see him cough up three or four games. Syracuse is starting to ride a hot streak. They're peaking from the middle half of the ACC statistics and moving up forward, but. Against Notre Dame, one is good, two is great, three is unheard of, and it's almost getting to the point that you need unheard of to to be able to move up in the ACC standings. Yeah, for sure. I I don't un, I don't think that I just I, it's going to be tough for them to make postseason play uh, outside of the ACC tournament. It's they they will definitely have to win out. I think if they maybe split Syracuse and Georgia Tech. They have a chance and playing well in the ACC tournament, but I don't see a lot coming out of this team. No, I agree with you. And and Nick, uh, thank you so much for filling in for Chris Lehman here today. It's been an honor and a pleasure to have you on the broadcast. Oh, for sure, Drew. It's always a pleasure. Thank you for the five minutes of preparation I had coming in <laughs> into the Howler. For my well, you, you did very well as an emergency substitution. You know, sometimes... That's just how it happens. Normally, we end with something a little fun here. You know, we play a little game or something. But this time, I'm going to pull one out of Chris's book, uh, sort of a la Chris Lehman, since he's not here. Any particular athlete or team that you want to give a shout-out to for NC State Athletics? NC State Athletics as in club or in anything? All the way across the board. I'd like to give a shout-out to the club water polo team. They just traveled to Virginia Tech this past weekend. Uh, friends Harry Shrix and Zach Chereau played incredible. They are going to lead the club water polo team for 
the next couple of years. Will Margolin, also of that yes, uh, of water course. polo team, uh, also got three starts this weekend and had a pair of goals as well. So club water polo may be on the rise. And who knows, perhaps that could be a next broadcast assignment. Wouldn't that be interesting, putting a camera around the pool? Yeah, that would be interesting. Kind interesting is the exact word. Court, I guess you could say. <laughs> yeah, you were a swimmer, so very familiar with the, the aquatic sports, I would assume. Yes, for sure. Um, I uh, done it so much, I'm almost tired of it. um if i have to give a shout out to anybody you know it's kind of tough but i think i'm gonna go with the baseball team okay and and there there are a few athletes that i could go with individually nick wasdowski and a couple of nc state's assistant wrestling coaches were up in iowa city competing and really represented the Wolfpack well and we'll talk a little bit more about those results on the next howler this baseball team is starting to pull together And that is something that I was worried they weren't going to be able to do, but they've been successful over the past couple of weeks. Now, success is one thing, repeated success is another. But I think Elliot Aben has got it through his guys' minds that this is the formula for success and this is the recipe that you need to be following. And hopefully, for NC State fans, that translates to success on the diamond. Nick, again, thanks so much for being with us. Thank you much. It's been thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. Signing off for Nick Sinopoli, I'm Drew Blevins. You've just been given the state of Wolfpack Athletics. We'll see you next time on The Howler. Thanks for listening to The Howler, a service of Wolfpack Sports Television. Find out more at go.ncsu.edu/sports. The Howler is brought to you by White Street Brewing Company. Handcrafted beer made in the heart of downtown Wake Forest. Visit us just up US 1 at 218 South White Street or at whitestreetbrewing.com.